Right now on Truth Today, we're going to be discussing Islam, religion of peace or religion of the Antichrist spirit. Also, the corrupt United Nations continue to condemn Israel. We're going to be talking about the squad in D.C., how they refuse to denounce Hamas, showing their true colors. That and much more right now on Truth Today. Well, hey, thank you for joining us tonight here on Truth Today. This is Pastor Sharam Hayden with Truth and Love Ministry. Uh, we're grateful that you can join us uh, for our live program here. Um, want to encourage you, uh, if for some reason you're not on our Rumble page, we are trying to push as many people over to our Rumble page, so rumble.com slash Hadian, rumble.com slash Hadian. So please check that out. Also, all of our content is archived there. All of our shows are archived there. So please uh, click follow. Uh, that way it subscribes you and you get a notice when we go live or when we also um, upload our shows. And um, there's been some pretty, uh, pretty heady stuff and a lot of things we've covered the last few, few days, uh, last few weeks, especially with all the stuff that's going on in Israel right now and the continued um, uh, war that's there and, and, and what's happening in America and uh, there's, there's just a, so much going on. So I just want to encourage you, please subscribe to our Rumble page. Um, hey, also reminder, we are, um, we podcast our shows. I don't know if we have our image for our podcast. Uh, we podcast our shows. Uh, those are um, for your benefit, for those who are, you have a hard time maybe watching the program. So I want to encourage you, search for our name, Truth Today with Sharam Hadian, Truth Today with Sharam Hadian. And you'll see uh, on all those platforms that you see on your screen there, you can find our podcast of our shows. Please make sure you check that out. All right. Tonight, I've titled our show, and, and part of the reason that I want to cover this, I know some of you may be thinking, you know, man, you've covered a lot on Israel over the last two or three weeks. Uh, well, there's a lot going on. And there's just, a, there's just a plethora, plethora of confusion in the body of Christ. But um, I was on a program earlier this week with my friend Brandon House from Worldview Weekend and from Lindell TV, Frank Speech, and we were talking about Islam, the Antichrist spirit, and the person of the Antichrist, and the differences between Islam and Christianity. In fact, um, I want to encourage you, do we have that image dry off his show? I want to encourage you uh, to go and check out Worldview Report. This is it right here. This is our show. The description of the Antichrist in the Bible matches the description of the Islamic Messiah. Very, very interesting uh, 20 plus minutes that we did on this topic if you want to watch it there. I'm going to be covering some of that tonight, but again, if you want to go and watch it there, it was very fascinating. But that led me then to uh, an interview that I did today that was asking this question again about the claim that Islam is peaceful and tolerant and that what we're seeing happen in Israel, what we're seeing, the, the hatred and the anger and the calls for uh, war and jihad and murder of, of Jews and Zionists and all these things, that this is somehow separate from Islam, that it does not reflect Islam. I'm going to be sharing some of those things with you tonight. So I've titled tonight, tonight's show, Islam, Religion, of peace or religion of the Antichrist? That's the question. And I want to look at some evidence tonight for, to answer this question. What does Islam itself teach? Um, what, are the, what are the misconceptions about this? And I want to turn to the Bible, as we always start. And I want to look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, so I hope you guys are there, okay, chapter 2, specifically in verse 18, starting in verse 18, and it is talking about the last hour, so as time is winding down before the coming of the Lord, it's talking about deception, little children, okay, so are you with me there, little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So 
it is talking about not a person, but it is talking about a spirit. That there is a spirit that is of Antichrist. That is a spirit that denies who Christ is. Okay, so we saw that spirit in the first century. We saw many who denied who Christ was. They deny that, uh, that, that Jesus was God, even, even within uh, the time of Jesus. We know that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, 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 the religious leadership of the Jews, of Israel, uh, denied, of, of course, that Jesus is the Christ. But it's referencing the last hour. And this means that since the beginning of the church, as time winds down towards the second coming. So, so there are two pivotal events. One is the beginning of the church. The last hour starts as the church starts. So the church actually is an age and it begins this last hour. As this starts, now there's a clock, God's internal clock, winding down to ultimately the second coming of the Lord. Those are the two huge pivotal moments. Now, being that we are in a dispensational camp, our ministry, we also believe that there's a final time frame right before the coming of the Lord that is referred to as the tribulation and the great tribulation, a specific, specific time frame of seven years. The book of Revelation is both allegory and literal. It is both. I see a lot of people that talk about, oh, the book of Revelation is predominantly symbolic and it's hard to understand. Yes, there are parts of it that are symbolic and allegory. And yes, it's not chronological. However, there are parts of it that are very literal, and it literally speaks of a time frame, of a dividing of a seven-year period, of two, three-and-a-half-year periods, of 42 months, very, very specific language that, that none of the people that are in the camp of covenant theology, which means that, uh, or, or partial preterism or preterism, it means that these things that were fulfilled back sometime in the first century, that were fulfilled back in the AD 70, None of these people can point to the specificity of this time frame of when did this happen during the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70? What was specifically the seven-year period? What was the beginning of the seven-year period? What was the end of this? Because the end of the book of Revelation and the end of these events is the culmination of the battle of Armageddon, is the culmination of the battle between the armies of heaven led by Jesus Christ himself and the armies of the Antichrist. So we know this battle is coming. So yes, there are... There are, um, I guess, more specific things that must happen before the leading of the coming of the Lord. But I want to share with you that the two bookends, the two bookends of the church age and uh, the last day is the beginning of the church and ultimately the second coming of the Lord. And so it says this, they went out from us, but they were not of us for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help your people to see the truth of what I'm sharing tonight, Lord God. If it is from you, I pray your Holy Spirit, Lord, will open the eyes of your people and all those who need to hear this message. Look at this. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So anybody that denies that Jesus is the Christ is a liar. Okay? Whoever, oh, I'm sorry, he, this liar, is Antichrist. It's a spirit who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. Either he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So a litmus test of the Antichrist spirit 
is the acceptance or the denial of father and son. God the Father, God the Son, and of course, ultimately, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. One God. We do not worship three gods. But the scripture is telling us very clearly, he who denies. So there have been many Antichrist spirits. The Antichrist spirit has been around since the time of Christ. Because since the moment that Christ was born, since the moment that Christ came on the earth, since the moment that he began his ministry, since the moment that he died on the cross and was buried and raised from the dead, since all of these pivotal events, there has been a spirit at work from the enemy that is to deny Christ. And specifically, or with specificity, if you deny the Father and the Son, now you've manifested to be an Antichrist spirit. So the Jews at that time were denying Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is God. Today, that is still going on, sadly. Many in Israel and many around the world, many Jews, the majority of Jews still deny that Jesus is the Christ, is the Messiah, is the Son of God, is God in the flesh. But those Jews only number 14, 15 million. How many Jews worldwide? Not that many. Is there another religion? Is there another ideology that denies that Jesus is not the Son of God? That Jesus is not God? That there is no Father? That there is no Son? You know what I'm going to say. The answer is found in Islam. The answer is found in Islam. Islam vehemently denies that there is a God who is a father, that there is a God who is a son, that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the savior of the world, denying that he ever died on the cross, denying that he was ever resurrected. By the way, this is the centrality of Christianity, right? And so according to 1 John 2 and also 1 John chapter 4 and 2 John 7 through 11, the Bible is clearly telling us the attributes because it says this liar, this is a lying spirit, denies the Father and the Son. So why do I bring this up? Because in light of the atrocious evil attacks on Israel and on the Jewish people, on children, on women, on elderly, being burned, decapitated, tortured, raped. There is now a mantra. We saw this in the White House. I covered this right earlier this week. Karine Jean-Pierre and the Biden administration coming out. And when asked the question about anti-Semitism, remember our show, do we have the image for, we do have the image there, Drya from our show on Tuesday, please go back and watch the show on Tuesday if you did not. No, that's not the one. The one on the far right is all the way down to the second row there. The alarming rise of Jew hatred. The alarming rise of Jew hatred making sense of anti-Semitism. So please, if you did not get a chance to watch that, it's archived. Go watch that on from Tuesday's show. And I covered for you that in their speeches about, when asked about the question about anti-Semitism and the rise of, of actual incidents and, and, and attacks, the White House pivoted very quickly to focus on Islamophobia. Oh, these poor Muslims are victims. And I showed you on Tuesday that that is a farce. That is a farce. Number one persecutors of Christians in the world are Muslims, are, is, is Islam by far according to Open Doors USA. They track persecution of Christians globally. Number one is Islam. FBI statistics, statistics for 2021, 2022, uh, coming out on religiously motivated hate crimes. 2021, it was almost 52%. 2022 was almost 55%. Number one category of those who are religiously persecuted for their belief systems in America, Jews, anti-Semitism. 
Islam came in at 9%. 9% of all so-called religiously motivated hate crimes are purported against Muslims, 52 to 55%. And by the way, if you look at the last 10 years, the average is close to 60% of all religiously motivated hate crimes against Jews. So what's the deal? Well, we have a bunch of people that are propagandists for Islam. This has been the case since 9-11. It has been the case before that. It has been the case for 1,400 years that somehow Islam magically, uh, mysteriously, is a religion of peace. We don't know where it is. We, we don't know where we're going to find that peaceful religion because 1,400 years of, of Islamic history hasn't demonstrated that it's been a religion of peace and being able to coexist with its neighbors and other belief systems. But we continue to have this fairy tale. We continue to seek after the, um, the pot of gold at the, at, at the end of the rainbow that somehow, if we just search hard enough, we'll find some version of Islam that is peaceful and tolerant and loving and the God of the Quran is a God of love. Even though nowhere in the Quran does it mention this false God, Allah, as a God of love. Nowhere. But now we have all of these apologists, including, you're going to see in a minute, the president of Israel. Right? This is why I've said, I am absolutely a biblical Zionist. I support the right of the Jewish people to be in their land. I support the, 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 the right to be in the land because God made a covenant with them through Abraham, a land covenant and a national covenant. And so those uh, covenants have not been completely fulfilled. Uh, they are still, they're partially fulfilled, and yet there's still many parts of them that are yet to come. And so uh, the Jews coming back into the land, becoming a nation, uh, all of those things are prophesied in the Bible, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37, uh, Amos chapter 9. All of these are talking about the return of the Lord, uh, or, or to re the return of the Jews back to the land in preparation for the coming of the Lord does not mean that the Jews are saved just by coming to the land. Because if you read Ezekiel 37 and the first half of Ezekiel 37 and the prophecy of Ezekiel about the dry bones, it is a future prophecy of them coming back into the land after they're scattered and they come back in unbelief. There's, a, there's part A, unbelief, part B, belief. The belief part has not yet happened. That will happen at the end of the tribulation, at the end of the seven years. The first part has, not, the first part has happened. They become a nation. The, the bones uh, have muscles and tendons on them. But then it says that then God gives breath to the bones and they come to life. Well, that hasn't happened yet because they haven't come to spiritual life yet. So, that aside, the deception that is going to happen in Israel is going to be off the charts. We know that the Jews will be deceived by this Antichrist spirit, as will the rest of the world. So the Antichrist spirit has been there before, it will come again. And this is not yet talking about the person of the Antichrist, which I'll get to tonight. But I want to get to some headlines. Let's start with uh, Jihad Watch uh, Dry. Actually, no, no. Um, let's start with the comment from the Times of Israel. Um, you should have, it's a Times of Israel right there. There we go. Here is, here is President Reuven Rivlin. Okay, keep this up just for a second, please. He is the president of Israel, not the prime minister, but the president. And here is what he says about Islam. We are not at war with Islam, he says. Okay? Here's his direct quote. He did an interview with Channel 210 television. He says, These are difficult days for Jerusalem for the simple reason that the political struggle over Jerusalem, the nationalist struggle, the Israeli-Arab conflict, has turned into a Jewish-Muslim conflict. And to, the sorrow, to my sorrow, both sides understand this. Understand this, but are not doing anything about it. Quote, we have no dispute with Islam. We did not have, we will not have today. Two, we don't have, he declared. We need to make it clear to everyone. And so this is a declaratory statement by the president of the nation of Israel. 
This is a delusional statement. It may be politically expedient for them to stave off an absolute war against them, but it is a delusional statement, not one based in facts or history or even Islamic text. Because I want to be very clear what Islamic text says about Israel. Okay, we're going to get to that. Let me go to another headline. Let's go to Jihad Watch. Pope Francis. So here is Pope Francis uh, speaking about Islam and talking about... Um, yeah, you don't have that one. Um, I don't think... Oh, it is right there. There you go. Islam in truth, is a religion of peace, and the majority of its members are peaceful. This is Pope Francis making a claim that uh, Islam, he has a new book uh, that hails Islam as a religion of peace. In the new book, recounting the last 10 years of his pontificate, Pope Francis defending Islam as a religion of peace and suggesting the possibility of making, uh, well, okay, this is something about the, the Latin priest, forget this part of it. Um, the book, I believe, is called You Are Not Alone, Challenges, Answers, Hopes, published in Italian and released Tuesday. He calls upon Europe to integrate Muslim migrants because that's gone really well, right? Right, Pope? The Muslims that have come into Europe, France, Germany, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Netherlands, Austria, they've really assimilated, right? Right? Because that's what, that's what the, the, the utopia is, right? That, oh, we're going to welcome all these Muslim refugees and they're going to come. It's going to be a beautiful melting pot in Europe. And that's really what's happened, right? Oh, you know, all those enclaves that they formed and all their own Sharia areas that they have. And their, which is Sharia, remember, is their law, is their Islamic law. And they have what's called Sharia patrols in those areas that are enclaves that they are segregated. They don't assimilate. We've seen the same thing in America. We see the same thing in Canada. We see the same thing in New Zealand. We see the same thing in Australia. This is the pattern of Islam. In fact, there's a doctrine of Islam called Hijra. It's the doctrine of migration. And the doctrine itself says that they must not assimilate but segregate. That doctrine teaches them segregation. Go and make your own community and then segregate from the people. Insisting that, quote, radical Islam is a problem and represents a perversion of religious, religious, religiosity because Islam in truth is a religion of peace and the majority of its members are peaceful. And they say neither, uh, either you are a terrorist or you are a Muslim. Then, by the way, we find fundamentalists in all religions, Francis observes. Radical Islam is a perversion because it is a religion that talks about peace. Okay? So now the Pope is, is an expert on Islam. And so um, we're going to look at this tonight because we have been at this for years. I have been at this for years. I have a a DVD called Unveiling the True Face of Islam, where we answer this question in the DVD. It's on our website at tillministry.com. You can go order it. Unveiling the True Face of Islam. I answer the question, is Islam a religion of peace or a religion of war? We answer the question of, are Islamic groups like ISIS and, 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 and Hamas and so forth, are they really Islamic or are they radical Islam as the Pope wants to pontificate because so many Christians and so many churches are so ignorant so ignorant believing the lie the lie that was perpetrated after 9-11 before 9-11 by Clinton 9-11 with Bush then Obama now Obiden Islam is a religion of peace what did the president of, of, of Israel say? We're not at war with Islam. Forget the fact that 
Their doctrine is when they're in the lower house, it's called Dar al-Harbor, the house of war. Remember the image, uh, if you can bring that up, please, Jariah, and, and add audio to it. The image of the religion, uh, the two houses of Islam. The lower house of Islam is referred to as the house of war. Dar al-Harb. There it is. When they get to the upper house, it's called the house of surrender. Islam means surrendered one. So, hey, President Reuven. What was his name? Rivlin. President Rivlin. Hey, you may think that you're not at war with Islam, but I guarantee you Islam is at war with you. Because Islam declares war on unbelievers. Islam declares that any area that does not belong to them, they're in war. Again, the house of war. And so where do we get this notion that Islam is peaceful? Well, because the word in Islam, again, means, or the word Islam itself means surrendered one. So their ideology of peace is that when you are surrendered to Islam, you're at peace with Islam. So if Israel wants to surrender to Islam and give up the land and be wiped off the land and potentially be wiped off the face of the earth, then I guess you're not at war with Islam, president of Israel. But as long as you do not submit to Islam, do not subjugate yourself under Islam, then Islam declares war on you. I've said this for many years. We're not declaring war on Islam. Islam has declared war on us. And I know some of you are hearing this and thinking, boy, he sure doesn't like Muslims. No. Nope. I want to have Christ's heart for Muslims. I was one. Many of my family are still Muslim. Certainly my family in Iran are still Muslim. I do not in any way, shape, or form hate individual Muslims. I don't look at it Muslim and... Hate rises in my heart. Pity rises in my heart. I'm grieved when I view Muslims, particularly women, under the bondage that I know they're in. But we are talking about an ideology. The declaratory statement of the President of Israel, the declaratory statement of Pope Francis is that Islam is peaceful, that Islam is not at war with the Jewish people and or with humanity. That's the statement. And so you may be thinking, boy, he's talking about this a lot. Well, let me tell you this. For the last three years, I barely talked about this because all of our focus has been on COVID and on the pandemic and the scandemic and, and all of the lockdowns and, and further lockdowns. And by the way, next week, I plan to have, uh, Lord willing, a couple of guests. They're going to be talking about, again, the lockdowns and the deaths in the hospitals. If you remember I was supposed to have a guest on. We had technical issues. We're going to try to see if we can bring him on again. Next week, we can pre-record a show. There is another friend from Michigan released a documentary that I want to cover for you guys. I want to have him on. So we're going to go back to that issue. But right now, this has once again come to the forefront. And once again, as Islam has come to the forefront, what do we have? We have apologists for Islam who are coming out of the woodworks. And or we have the United Nations. Let's go to the next article. Uh, let's go to the one from um, Israel 365. First, please, Drya. The UN is rationalizing the slaughter of Jews. Um, so here is, you may have seen the statements from uh, Mr. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Gutierrez? No, Guterres. Um, here is the latest from the United Nations, which, by the way, don't forget, the largest voting bloc in the United Nations is what's called the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. Those, that voting bloc, they vote as a bloc, is a bloc of, 50, they consider 57, 56 Muslim countries. And, of course, they throw in Palestine as a voting member, even though they have no voting rights because uh, they're not a nation. So how come the United Nations won't recognize Palestine as a nation? 
If they're, if, if they're a nation, if they're a nationality, if they've been existing for, for decades and centuries, how come the United Nations won't recognize the Palestinians and Palestine as a nation? Why don't you make Gaza a nation? Make the West Bank a nation? Right? If they're sovereign, become a nation. Israel gave up control over Gaza. Yes, they still control electricity, water, things going in, but Gaza's been run by Hamas for, uh, for a long time now. And so, um, Dry, let's get rid of that before that pops up. Oh, no, I, I know we don't see that, son. I'm just saying. Um, all right, so here's what he said. Going back to Mr. Gutierrez, okay, or Gutierrez. Here's what he said. Um, let me go to this down here. Here it is. He said, it is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. He told the UN Secretary Council on Tuesday, claiming that, quote, the Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation they have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence. Their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing, he added. He tried to walk this back by tweeting that the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the horrific attacks by Hamas. Yet, that's after the fact. During his conversation, he is saying, look, these attacks didn't happen out of a vacuum. They're deserved. Isn't that, don't you read into that? That's what he's saying, right? They had to walk it back because then he got some pushback. But what he's saying is, look, they're deserved. It's okay. It, it, it's, it's, it's justifiable that Hamas has to go in and murder and behead babies and burn them alive. Rape women and cut babies out of their wombs. That's all justifiable, because after all, now, do, he doesn't put any blame on the fact that Hamas is, is, is running Gaza. He doesn't put any blame on the fact that all of this international aid that is coming to ha Hamas and Gaza and the West Bank and the so-called Palestinians uh, that O'Biden, by the way, opened up the spigots again after Trump had shut that money off. He doesn't put any responsibility on the government that's governing the so-called Palestinian people. Because it's all Israel's fault. And so here's the other article by the Geller Report. Uh, uh, there are now some who are calling on Gut uh, Guterres to resign. They believe his statements, uh, you know, are completely wrong. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen because... They, they are insistent on this. And this narrative of Islam being peaceful um, is something that is perpetrated within the church. I have covered this at length. When we deal with the issue of interfaith, when we deal with Christians who sit in interfaith dialogue with Muslims, when they agree, Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, Robert Schuller. James White, all these evangelicals who sit and they hold hands with Muslims and they say, look how much we have in common. We have a common word between the Bible and the Quran. We have a common ground. We have a common faith. Or today, as I've warned you um, uh, in, in our brand new DVD, One World Religion Rising, as I've tried to warn you, our brand new DVD, One World Religion Rising, where I go through and I expose now multi-faith, folks. Please get a copy. It's on our website. Multi-faith. The dangers of multi-faith. The, the, the dangers of the lie that Islam is Abrahamic. All of those evangelicals and, and Jews who sit in that kind of uh, multi-faith agreement are, 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 are going along with the lie that Islam is a religion of peace. And if Islam is a religion of peace, then how come 
the warfare is in its abrogation. That people will criticize the Bible and say, well, in the Old Testament, there was many examples where God ordained war. Yes, that was in the Old Testament under the Old Law, under the Old Testament Law, particularly under the Mosaic Law. That was not prescribed for all time. It was, it was very, very specific to dealing with land and warfare within gaining land and, and, and removing the people out of that land, like the Canaanites. But when it comes to the Quran, the prescription is, is op opposite. It goes from the early version of the Quran in Mecca that doesn't put compulsion on religion, doesn't force Muslims to convert Christians or Jews or any other belief system, to abrogation. The latter verses change. The, the latter verses in the Quran are abrogated, where now there is force. Now they must wage war against Christians and Jews to either subjugate them, to either convert them, subjugate them, or kill them. So which one is it? Well, the abrogation means that when Islam gets the upper hand, it goes to the latter verses. It lives by the latter verses. That's why you see the increase of violence when Muslims get the upper hand. When they make an enclave, they're no longer nice. They're no longer chummy. They're no longer buddy-buddy. In fact, Surah chapter 5 in the Quran says to them, which is an abrogated chapter after the fact, it's later in Muhammad's so-called ministry, it says, hey Muslims, do not take Jews as allies, as friends. Because if you do, you become one of them. You become an unbeliever, which means you can be killed. And so I've been warning about this in our True Goal of Islam uh, and, and the Threat of Sharia Law DVD, Unveiling the True Face of Islam, Islam's Assault in the U.S. Constitution. I've been warning about all of these things in our DVDs now for at least the last 15 years and trying to warn America. And here we are again with the White House and the Pope and the President of Israel and the United Nations and many evangelicals that will agree, oh, no, 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 Muslims are getting a bad rap. Islam is getting a bad rap. It's peace. It's tolerant. It's loving. Muslims are so nice. Well, they may, some may be nice. And some may be deceiving you. Some may be genuinely nice because they're not following their ideology. My dad was one of those people. I consider my dad to be an absolute hypocrite when it comes to being a Muslim. He was a hypocrite. He drank alcohol. He ate pork. He smoked. He was a good sinner. He wasn't reflective of following Islam. He never prayed. I, I, I may have seen my dad pray twice in his entire life. My mom's side was much more devout, not my dad. He was a career military officer, went to the military academy at the age of 18, served in the army under the Shah. And I didn't see him have hatred in his heart for non-Muslims. But that's because he wasn't representing Islam. The question is, what does the ideology teach? What does the ideology teach? What, what does Sharia, which is, called, which is referred to as the path or the way of Allah, that's why, we call, that's why it's called Sharia Allah. It's not Sharia law, it, although it is law. We say law, but really it's Sharia law. The path or the way of Allah, their God. What does that teach? So I want to show you some verses because in the Quran, the whole reason the Quran was written was because it covers the fact that they believe, they're taught, according to their prophet Muhammad, that the Jews were given revelation by Allah, but that the Jews corrupted this revelation. The Christians were given revelation. They corrupted their revelation, i.e. the Torah, i.e. the New Testament. And so now Allah has to send the final messenger, Muhammad, to correct everybody. Okay, so what is that correction? Well, you Jews are apes and pigs and monkeys 
and unclean. Those are the descriptions of the Jews in the Quran. The Jews are lesser than. They're unclean. The world is to be cleansed of them. They taught that the Jews are thieves because they stole the covenant from Ishmael and supposedly claimed it was Isaac who got the covenant and the favor of Abraham. They claimed that Jesus, who was the Jewish Messiah, was never crucified. It was a hoax. And if we can go to the first red slide, please, Jariah, I want to share with you a couple of verses that the prophet of Islam himself quotes. Here's verse number one. If you can bring this up, please. You can see how anti-Semitic and anti-Christ spirit Islam is. Because they're talking about when Jesus will come back. Now, if you look at the screen there, you see it says Sahih al-Bukhari. Sahih means the most authenticated. Bukhari is the most quoted hadith in Islamic text outside of the Quran. It is quoted from Muhammad himself. It is firsthand quote. And here's what it claims it says. Allah's apostle, that means Muhammad, said, the hour will not be established. What is the hour? That means the hour that Islam will be established on the entire planet until the son of Miriam descends among you as a just ruler. So it's talking about when Esau, that's what they call Jesus in the Quran, will return. But he's not going to return by himself. He's going to return with another figure, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Now watch this. He, Jesus, will break the cross. Why would Jesus break the cross? Because according to Islam, the cross never happened. I just told you, Surah chapter 5, 157, uh, it says, the, the, uh, I'm sorry, Surah chapter 4, 157 says the cross never happened. Jesus was never crucified. It was made to look like it was, it was him on the cross. So he was, Jesus was never crucified. So he's going to come back, according to Islam, and he's going to destroy the cross and destroy Christianity. Christianity's gone. No Christianity. Then he's going to kill the pigs. Well, what does that mean? That's a reference to the Jews. So the Jewish Jesus is going to come back. He's going to kill the Jews. And then he's going to abolish the Jizya tax. That's a tax that is an extortion tax for protection. Where if you get subjugated, you then must be protected under this tax. Go ahead and come back to me, please. So does that sound just a little bit anti-Semitic and anti-Christian? Let's go to the next slide, please. This is the slide that I covered on Tuesday, right? That was, is from the charter of Hamas. Hamas has this in their charter. Many, many imams quote this passage from the pulpits of the mosques week in and week out. Again, Sahih Muslim. Now, Sahih again means authenticated. Muslim is the second most quoted hadith, directly again tied to the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, look what it says. The prophet himself said, again, the last hour. You notice they have a very strong view of eschatology, of end times. The last hour would not come unless the Muslims would fight against the Jews and the Muslims would kill them until the Jews would hide themselves behind a stone or a tree and a stone or a tree would say, hey, Muslim, or the servant of Allah, there's a Jew behind me, come and kill him. Is that allegory or literal? That's literal. Go ahead and please come back to me. But according to the prophet, uh, according to the Pope, according to the President of Israel, according to the United Nations, according to Biden, according to all these pastors, they will claim that Islam is inherently peaceful. Islam is not anti-Semitic, even though the worst anti-Semitism is in the Middle East. And the worst of the worst is in Gaza. Because they train their children with that level of hatred. To say, as the President of Israel said, that we have no problem with Islam. We're not at war with Islam. Again, is delusional. You're in denial. Or you're just blind. Because the very heart of Islam is, is hatred against Jews and Christians. Is to do whatever they can to subjugate, to rid the world of the Jews, 
Remember, Sahih Bukhari didn't say Jesus is going to come back and kill the Christians. Even though we know that the worst murder of Christians is happening at the hands of Muslims. Globally. Again, open doors. Check it out yourself. Go to their website. Check out their world map. Top 50 countries that are persecuting and killing Christians. Top 10. 9 out of 10 are Islamic countries. 38 out of 50, top 50 are Islamic countries. That's just facts. No, this is not opinion, it's not feeling, just facts. So the, so, so the, the, delusional, the delusional nature of those in the church, those who are pastors, who think that Islam is not at war with them, they're delusional. They're deceived, they're ignorant, they're foolish, and they're delusional. Because Islam has been at war with unbelievers and unbelieving nations for 1,400 years. By the way, let's not forget, here's a question I ask people, see if you know the answer. What is the first war that America fought as an independent nation after our Revolutionary War and after we secured independence from the British? What is the first war? It's not the War of 1812. Anybody remember? Oh, it's the Barbary Wars. Remember the Battle Hymn of the Republic? Remember that the that the um, Marines were, call, were called Leathernecks? Why were they called leather, Leathernecks? Despite Barack Hussein Obama's in, uh, assertion that Islam has been a part of the fabric of America since the beginning. No, that's a lie. Yes, there were, there were slaves over here that were brought over here from Africa and uh, there were Muslim slave traders. Is that what you mean, Barack? You mean the Muslim slave traders that were actually trading black Africans? Oh yeah, that's right, folks. Before the white people were slave owners, there were Muslims who were slave owners. And they've been slave owners long before white people were slave owners. Oh, you don't hear that part of it. You don't hear that part of the narrative. Oh, that the, that the greatest slavery owners in the history of modern mankind came out of the Islamic world. At least Christianity helped to abolish slavery thanks to Wilberforce and others. No, no, no. In Muslim world today, slavery is still alive and well because it's permissible in Islam. Making a slave of unbelievers is permissible and continues to be permissible for all time. But the very first war we fought was when Thomas Jefferson was president and they were paying tribute. They were paying an extortion tax. Their ships were getting uh, overrun with the Barbary pirates and they were taking our stuff and, and keeping it for ransom and charging us an extortion tax. And up at one point, we were paying over 25% of our GDP to extortion, to tribute. That's what it was called. Tribute is jizya. And Jefferson got a copy of a Quran and he read the Quran. He wasn't reading it for amusement. He read it to understand Islam. And he began to realize after he read the Quran, there is no peace with these people. You either fight them and win or you succumb. Because of the ideology and the spirit that's behind it, because it's an antichrist spirit. Islam denies the Father, denies the Son, denies the Holy Spirit, denies that Jesus is the Son of God, denies that Jesus is God, denies that He was ever crucified, denies that He was ever resurrected, denies that Jesus was born uh, from the, from the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, from the touch of the Holy power of the Holy Spirit, denies, denies that, that Jesus is coming back as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It is the epitome of the Antichrist spirit. And I'm going to get to here just in a minute. Can Islam be the Antichrist? But the reason we were called, they were called the Leathernecks because they had to wear leather around their necks because the Barbary pirates had their swords to behead them. And remember the Battle Hymn of the Republic talks about from, the, uh, from Montezuma to Tripoli. They were fighting the Barbary pirates. That was our first war as a nation. So we've been fighting Islam. Islam has not been peaceful back then. It wasn't peaceful during the time of Muhammad. It wasn't peaceful during the time that it conquered uh, other areas like Western Europe, uh, where it was fought back in 732 by the French knights uh, in, in France, whether it was the Battle of Vienna in 1689, September 11, 1689, that's right, dates matter, September 11, 1689, when they lost the Battle of Vienna, it was not peaceful when... Um, 
They conquered Persia when they conquered other empires. It has not been peaceful for 1,400 years. But there is the propaganda. It's a religion of peace, religion of peace, religion of peace. And when Catholics and evangelicals come together and hold hands with the Muslims and protect the Muslims. So here's the final question tonight that I answered on Brandon's show. Again, one more time, if you can please bring that up, Jariah, from Brandon's show. This is the one we did uh, on uh, Monday night. If you guys got a chance to go check that. Uh, could the, the depiction of the Islamic Messiah be the description of the Antichrist in the Bible? Could the Antichrist come out of Islam? I think so. So let's look at this uh, third uh, slide for me, please, uh, if you have that there. So folks, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly, but here it is. You may be shocked to figure out, number one, Islam has an Antichrist figure. It's called Al-Masiyah Dajjal, the false messiah. Do you know who they believe the false messiah is? Jesus of the Bible, Jesus Christ. You see the reference there, Sahih Muslim, book 041. Islam has a messianic figure called the Mahdi. Both Sunnis and Shias agree that there's one coming who's going to be the Messiah and ruler of the entire world, the Mahdi. Will you be shocked that Islam teaches that when the Mahdi comes, he's going to sign a peace treaty with Jews and Christians. Or they say Romans, but they mean Christians. Romans were known as Christians. Would you be shocked to find out that according to Sunan Abu Dawood, which is a hadith, that, that this Mahdi will specifically reign for seven years. Doesn't that sound like the Bible's tribulation? The prophet said the Mahdi will fill the earth with equity and justice as it was filled with oppression and tyranny, and he will rule for seven years. Next slide, please. Did you know that Islam also believes that a prophet is coming with the Mahdi? Who's that prophet? The Muslim Jesus. I believe that's part of the Bible's false prophet uh, scenario in Rome, Revelation 13, verse 11. Because we know that the one world religion is going to include a false Christianity. Because it says, it says this second beast looked like a lamb with two horns. Who's the lamb? That's supposed to be Jesus. But yet when he spoke, he spoke like a dragon. Who's the dragon? That's Satan. Meaning that what this lamb speaks is satanic, is demonic, is evil. So this Jesus, according to Islam, is going to come back in a second position to the Messiah of Islam, the Mahdi. Would you be surprised that Islam teaches that the Mahdi is going to come on a white horse? That he's going to come to conquer? Wow, that sounds like Revelation chapter 6, the description of the rider on the white horse, the first horse, which is the description of what? The Antichrist. The individual Antichrist. Would you be... The Surprised to know that he's going to make this, pre this agreement and then he's going to break the agreement halfway through. Wow, that sounds like what happens in the book of Revelation with the tribulation. The Antichrist is going to make a covenant at the beginning, bringing peace, and then he's going to break it. Would you be surprised that Islam teaches that this Mahdi will not only rule over the Muslim world, but rule over all the nations? That he's just, that he's handsome, that he's charismatic. He's the most guided one. That's what the word Mahdi means. That he's divinely guided. Would you be surprised that Islam teaches that the Jesus of the Quran will come and destroy Christianity? I already showed you. He's going to destroy the cross. He's going to kill the Jews. As you see at the bottom there, Sahih Bukhari is going to kill all the Jews. Yes, the, G the, the Muslim Jesus is going to lead an army and kill all the Jews. Does that make sense? No. And then would you also be surprised that he's going to establish Islamic law throughout the world, whole world? So I'm showing you what Islam believes in their eschatology. This is their end times belief. They have an antichrist, they have a messiah, they have a prophet. And yet all of those descriptions, go ahead and please come back to me, are exactly what the antichrist in the Bible looks like and is going to do. Isn't that amazing? As a new believer, when I became a Christian, I was shocked when I read the Bible for the first time and I was reading about eschatology and I'm like, whoa, this sounds the opposite of what, the, what, what Islam teaches. And so because of this, we have incredible deception in the church and outside. Muslims saying to Christians, we worship the same God. Let's all hold hands. Christians saying to Muslims and Jews saying to Muslims, let's all hold hands. We all worship the same God. 
James White, the reformed apologist for Islam, comes out and says, uh, if anybody says anything negative about Islam, you're being an Islamophobe, using the Islamic term. He comes out and says that when persecution comes, Muslims and Christians are going to hold hands and be there for each other. Wow. Talk about delusion, James. And then you have the cesspool that we have. Let's go to our quick articles, right? I got to go with these last ones very quick. Here we have Gateway Pundit, Democrat, Israel hating squad members uh, refuse to condemn uh, the barbaric Hamas attacks. No, there should be one other one there. Just keep looking. Um, I did, but okay. Democrat, here, here's the headline. Democrat Israel hating squad members refuse to condemn barbaric Hamas attacks on Israel that left 1,400 Jews dead. Who is the squad? Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Ilhan Omar, um, Presley, Rashida Taleb, uh, Bowman by the guy, the guy that pulled the alarm in, in the Capitol building and tore things, signs down, setting off the alarm. They only charge him with a misdemeanor. Get that, right? Christians and patriots go into the, are, are invited into the Capitol on January 6th, and they're charged with 5, 10, 15, 20 years in prison. This guy pulls an alarm, uh, evacuates the Capitol, uh, destroys Capitol property, charged with a misdemeanor. Uh, Bush, Caesar, Lee. So this resolution was to condemn Hamas, and nine Democrats vote against it. This squad vote, they refuse to... Um, they were joined by Muslim Andre Carson, uh, Al Green uh, from Texas, uh, Dilia Ramirez from Illinois, represent, uh, of course, Carson is from Indiana. Um, and so this was the House Resolution 771. They refused to condemn. Here's another article that, that we need to explore further. Uh, let's go to the other one. Terrorist apologist Rashida Taleb has extensive fundraising ties to Hamas insiders exposed by a watchdog group. If you look at this article on Gateway Pundit, it talks about individuals, three particularly Salah Sarsour, um, Mahel Abdel, and um, Rafi Jabbar, all with ties to Hamas. Uh, Salah Sarsour raised funds for the Holy Land Foundation uh, uh, Muslim charity that was based in Texas that was later found to be funneling $12 million to Hamas Islamic terrorists. It was shut down by the U.S. government. There was a massive trial called the Holy Land Foundation trial. That's where they indicted um, members of the Muslim Brotherhood on 100 and I think it was 38 counts. Uh, then they listed unindicted co-conspirators, CARE, uh, Council on American Islamic Relations, being one of them. And here you have Taleb connected to individuals that were raising money for Hamas. Folks, as I said multiple times, Hamas was started by the Muslim Brotherhood. Then CARE was started by the Muslim Brotherhood to then cover for Hamas when Hamas was listed as a terrorist organization by the State Department in 1993, 94, they started CARE. CARE has been fundraising for Hamas. CARE claims to be the civil rights wing of the Muslim Brotherhood in America. CARE is Hamas. Hamas is CARE. Hamas is Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood is Hamas. Hamas is ISIS. ISIS is Hamas. Hamas is Islam. Islam is Hamas. And as I've shown you, I think it's very likely that the globalists will be using the Islamic armies for their bidding. Uh, again, in my One World Religion, I talk about this, that the globalists are working hand uh, and foot. Is that the expression? With Islam and the Islamic world. Uh, the Islamic world is all over globalism, one world government, one world economy. They're building this smart city uh, out in the desert called Neom. Uh, they um, are all, part, all in with the World Economic Forum. They're all in. This is the red and green axis. Globalist, Marxist, socialist, communist, red, green being is, uh, Islam. They're working together, folks. And do I believe that it's very possible that the Antichrist could come out of the Islamic world? Absolutely. Do I believe that this Antichrist could then deceive the Jews for false peace? Absolutely. Because 
The Jews so desperately want to build the third temple. They so desperately want to build the third temple. And I have pastors saying that nowhere in the Bible does Jesus talk about the third temple. That is so false. What about in the book of Revelation when the, 12, when the two witnesses are, are sent to measure the temple? What temple? There's no temple there today. What temple? It was destroyed in AD 70, right? Where is it? When the book of 2 Thessalonians says that the Antichrist will come and he will declare himself to be God in the temple. When Matthew 24 talks about the abomination of desolation, the, the uh, abomination that causes desolation in the temple, where is he going to set himself up to be God? In the temple. You see, it's easy to say certain things without actually looking at the Bible. So, I've made the case for you tonight that I think that there's no way that Islam can be... Let's go back to our headline again if you joined us very, very late. The question tonight was Islam, religion of peace or religion of the Antichrist? I think I've shown you tonight, I hope I've shown you tonight, Islam is a religion of the Antichrist. And it gets cover, folks. It gets cover. Very quickly, uh, a couple more headlines dry out. Very quick. California, look at this. Jewish middle schoolers forced to sign um, gag order. Um after violent threats by pro-Hamas students. Like, you, you can't make this stuff up. Jewish students were bullied and threatened with violence at a middle school in California, Manhattan Beach Middle School. They were attacked by other students after Hamas attacks on Israel. Some students allegedly were, were shouting, revenge is beautiful and all Jews should be killed. The school investigated and concluded it wasn't hate speech. The perpetrators received no punishment and the schools made the victims sign a gag order not to discuss the incident publicly. Unbelievable. Here's another one. Geller report. Very quick, dry. Jewish students forced to barricade themselves in library as Muslim and leftist Jew-hating mob tried to break down the door to New York's Cooper Union College. Go look it up yourself on Geller report. This is what we see in America, folks. And of course, I'm very concerned about the potential for terrorist attacks. And finally, finally, look at this, folks. The Southern, let's go quickly, dry up, please. The Southern Poverty Law Center, Southern Poverty Law Center, we're going to need to uh, get these worked out. Southern Poverty Law Center, you should have had that. I saw it. Didn't you have the, the article? I thought I saw the article. That's not the article. Um, anyway, that's fine. It's fine. Go back to the map and I'll just talk about the article. Southern Poverty Law Center Union endorses Hamas. Who is the Southern Poverty Law Center? Keep this up for a second, please. The Southern Poverty Law Center is the Marxist communist organization that uh, claims to classify hate groups. This is their map on the screen there that they have all across America listing all these different hate groups, uh, Muslim hate groups and other types of hate groups. And their union tweeted last... Uh, um, uh, when was this, which, which last uh, tweeted about May 1st, declared it stands strongly with solidarity with the Palestinian people. Quote, what we see in Gaza is the violent imperialist desecration of a people, the beginning of a genocide, accusing Israel of apartheid and genocide. Um, and so they endorsed Hamas. And this is the same organization, folks, as you see on the screen, that lists our ministry, Truth and Love Project, or now Truth and Love Ministry, when we were back in Washington State and Spokane, they labeled us as a hate group. Now in East Tennessee, they continue to label us as a hate group. And they're the ones who've come out and endorsed Hamas. Hamas. A terrorist organization, according to the State Department. How come... SPLC is not being investigated by the FBI. How come Rashida Taleb and her ties to Hamas sympathizers is not being investigated by the FBI? How come all these schools are not being investigated by the FBI? Because we have a corrupt justice system. We have a corrupt DOJ. We have a corrupt FBI. We have a corrupt nation. Don't tell me America is going to be Christian again. Because we're in the last days, folks. And though I believe there's potentially pockets of revival... We are absolutely a corrupt nation and deserve every bit of judgment that God would bring upon us. And I think this is the judgment. Our corruption and lawlessness is part of the judgment. 
And so I, I hope I've shown you tonight. Islam is not a religion of peace. All these claims are lies or deception or delusion. The truth shall set people free if they want the truth. But most of Christianity doesn't want the truth anymore. They don't have the stomach for the truth. Most pastors are too weak-kneed and weak-spined to seek after the truth because they want to appease. They don't want to stand on the truth. Well, for this ministry, we're going to stand on the truth. And so, um, all right, if you guys, we got to go uh, dry. Let's get her that, that image, please, again. Um, if you want to support our ministry, folks, um, would you consider a one-time donation to our ministry, please? Tillministry.com slash donate. Tillministry.com slash donate. Uh, it's a secure donation. Or if you'd like to mail in a check, we so, so greatly appreciate your support. You can mail in a check to um, TIL Ministry or Truth and Love Ministry, P.O. Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802. P.O. Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802. And... One other option is if you prayerfully want to consider being a part of our Gideon army of 300 that we're praying for, who will pray for us and donate on a regular basis, uh, please go on our website and check that out and how uh, fill out. There's a form you can fill out, any amount above $5 a month. We are so grateful for all of your support to keep us on the air, to help us to pay our bills, to keep this ministry going, where we're going to continue to speak the truth and love on all these matters. And here's the final thing I'll say. Again, I want to make sure I'm very clear about this. I hate the ideology of Islam with a passion. I believe it's a wicked, evil, demonic, antichrist spirit, and I pray God will one day destroy it. But I do not in any way, shape, or form hate individual Muslims, nor should you. When you see them on the street, pray for them. When you see them in your life, pray for them. <clears throat> pray that God will give you an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. They are deceived. They do not worship the same God. They do not have the same Jesus. They need Jesus Christ, they need salvation. They need the way out of Islam. Islam is a dark cesspool. It is pit. They need the kingdom of Christ. They need hope. They need salvation. Please be bold with them. Please be bold. Don't be afraid of them, but be bold with them. Now on a practical note, I will encourage you this. Prepare your family. Arm up, train up, because the days are getting worse, as I said on Tuesday, with all this urban warfare that we're seeing in our streets. These mobs are not accidental. They're intentional, they're planned, they're trained, they're organized, they're well-funded. Our government knows about them. Police are given stand-down orders. You and I are on our own. We rely on God and we have to rely on one another. So just like people in Israel are doing right now, get armed, get trained, learn how to defend your family, your home, Get a rapid response team in your community, in your neighborhood, medical, communications, security, logistics, food supplies. Get ready. This is about to get bumpy. For our ministry, we're going to stand. We're going to depend on God and depend on one another. Our hope is in Christ. Don't be shaken. Don't be shaken. All these things must happen before the coming of the Lord. I pray you have a blessed weekend. Um, We'll be back with you next Tuesday, Lord willing, live noon Eastern time with more updates. Unless there's something breaking, we may bring a special update if there's something breaking between now and then. Get ready. God bless.